Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam. We are five years into making this podcast that we love so much called Brown Ambition, and we could not do it without you. We've gone from me and Tiffany sneaking around my old office building, trying to find places to record. And thanks to you guys, we now have 100,000 downloads per month for this little show called Brown Ambition. We would love to ask y'all for a small favor as fans of the show. Tiffany, what are we looking for? Here's what we'd love from you guys. We already have over a thousand reviews and a five-star rating on iTunes. But you know what's better than a thousand reviews? 2,000 reviews. If you could head on over to iTunes, go to our Brown Ambition page, scroll on down to the bottom, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating and a review. So subscribe, rate, review. Not too much to ask, right? Easy peasy. We love you guys. And thank you so much for making Brown Ambition what it is. The last five years have been amazing. And it's all thanks to you. Hey, hey, hey. I can't contain my excitement. Okay, hey, Mandy, how you doing? Hey, I'm so good. How are you, Tiffany? Oh, my goodness. I honestly don't think I've ever been this excited before to tape our podcast. I mean, I'm always excited. Speaking of which, sidebar, I went to a children's birthday party this weekend. Wait, and you're going to leave attend- us hanging like that? No, I just real quick, because this is important. Okay. I went to this children's birthday party. I walked in. This lady said, ah, I was just listening to Brenna Bishop. Tell Mandy I said hi. And I was like, <laughs> what? At this nine-year-old birthday party. So I just had to tell you that, that she said hi. She was really nice. But it's just, yeah. So we're everywhere, just to tell you. We're at children's birthday parties. So I'm, yes, I'm excited because we have a special guest today. And I can't even focus on anything else. I did not know what a stan you were. What? This is, I'm trying to think, is there anybody in the finance world that I would want to like talk to more? Hmm. Um, Isn't, hmm. Actually, he's definitely top three for me. Oh, and I don't even know the other two. Like, I don't even know the other two. I'm just saying top three because I don't want to seem crazy by saying my number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited, too. You guys, should I? Let's 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 get to it. Our guest today yes. is the fabulous Jaspreet Singh, the founder of The Minority Mindset, which has basically become like a financial education empire, if we can. Yes. You can say that. Sure. Yes. Started as a YouTube channel four or five years ago. Hmm. Also celebrating our five-year anniversary, so I feel like our journeys have been in tandem. But Jaspreet started his YouTube channel in 2015. It has blown up. He's got hundreds yes. of thousands of subscribers. He's got a massive Instagram following, but he also has really at the heart of Minority Mindset is financial education. So he yes. has a 
very successful blog, a newsletter that I actually signed my husband up for. You know how like I was like, babe, listen to, the, you know, get this newsletter. And I just like put his email in. <laughs> um, now he loves his newsletter. I feel like next to Robin Hood Snacks and the Minority Mindset newsletter, I'm set for the day. Yes. I, I got my, you know, I got my financial news all covered. So Jaspreet is here with us. Can't wait to talk about Oh my about gosh. If the, if the word geeked was in the dictionary, it'd be my face right now. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. you have no idea. It's like hot and bothered. <laughs> I love Jaspreet. You have no idea. What do to you see love about another, Yes. I, what you know what it is I love about him is that one, another brown financial educator who actually educates, like he has this passion for teaching and, you know, like uh, the teacher me, I'm like a teacher snob. So I can tell when someone's a good teacher and actually cares. You can tell one that he really cares. Two, he's a really good teacher because he takes these concepts that can be really overwhelming and daunting and makes them easy to understand. And what I really love is that Jaspreet, his information is different in that like I focus on like basic financial education, like budgeting and saving and debt and some are like Sandy, side hustles, and some are like Tila, stocks. But Jaspreet really hones in on like economics. Like it's he's like an economics professor that is fun and engaging. And you get to learn about like money in this personal sense, but what does it mean out there in the world? And then how do you bring it back back to you? Like I've never I've never seen that before, you know, of all the financial educators that I've seen in a way that someone can teach modern economics in a way that is personal. So, yeah, I just, ah, I'm screaming. I'm, I'm going to calm down, though. Like, when he's on, I'm not, I'm going to be normal. I'm going to be normal. <laughs> well, if you don't yet, go and follow Joss Breed's YouTube channel. It's The Minority Mindset. And he will let him explain the meaning behind the minority mindset. It may not be what you think, um, but it's one of my favorite things about his channel um, you know, and really his point of view, which I'm really interested to talk about. And he and Tiffany have like everything in common. So I think we're like a little financial guru matchmaking is happening here. Um, yes. Don't touch Superman, you know, not like that. Like, <laughs> no, like my, he's more like my friend, he's my friend that's your brother or cousin. Yes. Um, yes. Joss Breed's going to talk about how he got to start in financial literacy education and like anyone that we know in this business, it started with um, kind of a sad story, but he bounced back and now he is bringing his education to the masses and we are going to talk with him next on the show. Before we do that, um, what about us, Tiffany? I know. What's going on um, with your life these days? I don't even know. I'm like, who cares? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, is, what is going on? Honestly, um... I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm so distracted. I'm like, what's going on in my life? I'm breathing. I ate. Um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, I honestly. I'm We're laboring on out. Labor Day. What's wrong with us? I know. It's okay, though. That's fine. Yeah. It's for a good cause. But what yes. about you? What's going I can't even think of anything new in my life right now other than this. So what about you? I usually rely on you for all the excitement. Uh, <laughs> my my parents, well, my mom and my stepdad were in town all week long. And I feel like I barely saw them because, of course, I was taking advantage of all that free child care to do as much work as I possibly could. And part of that week I spent working on the show. You guys, we are so close. The Brown Ambition merch store is like 99.9% .9 ready to go. In fact, maybe by this week's episode, um, there will be a place where you can finally get your B your Brown Ambition t-shirts, okay? And onesies. There may be a coffee mug. There may be a tote bag. We'll see. <laughs> um, so I've been working on the virtual store. Let's see. Um, on, on top of booking today's esteemed guest, Jaspreet Singh, I also booked a couple other guests, Tiffany. I mean, you without did. asking you, I did. 
this month is going to be major. So we have Lynette Califani Cox rejoining our My show. Babe! Right. She's like the OG guest of Brown Ambition. And I figured there was no better way to celebrate our upcoming five-year anniversary than having one of our faves back on the show. But Lynette is going to talk about all about how she and her husband, Earl, I don't know if you follow them on Facebook, but I do. every other week she's like, we just bought another investment property. Yes. <laughs> this makes six of, you know, our six no, or seven investment property. Right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, Lynette, you have got to. And she hasn't really, you know, been talking about their journey to real estate, you know, uh, entrepreneurship. So I'm really excited to have her on. We're going to focus all about because we do get these questions a lot from listeners. You know, what do you guys think about, you know, investing in real estate and having an income property and how that how that all works. But Lynette is really doing it. So I'm excited to have her on. I think she's going to be on in a couple of weeks. And then we also have Dr. Imani. She's from a show called Married to Medicine. And she's going to be joining us to talk about mental health. Um, as you guys know, like we're all, we just, ugh. I mean, Tiffany and I are pretty transparent about, you know, what we do to cope with life. And therapy has been a big part of my life. And I know right now in this, in these crazy times, mental health is so important. And Dr. Imani is a black woman in mental health, really helping to remove the stigma. And we're going to have her on to talk about how we can all cope with the insanity of today's world a little bit better. So look out for an interview with Dr. Imani coming up in September as well. Yes. Oh, we're busy beavers. Busy beavers. I know. How do you feel about five years? <gasps> Jaspreet just messaged me. He said, hey, Tiffany, it's Jaspreet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. You're distracted. I can't even talk to you right now. All right. Well, I'm going show... to screenshot it so I can get, get it out. <laughs> Be cool. Dang. Now I'm going to have to play it cool. All right. You will, girl. It's over for me. I'm not playing it cool. I'm going to ban out. Okay, no, but yes. Just are we? Do we have a bio for him? Or you, that was basically, we're going to kind of That was basically the bio. Did I not do a good job? No, no, you did a good job. I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> flustered. You're just and like like, flustered. for those of you who are like, oh my God, no, there is, I mean, just for you to, you know, I guess he's a good looking guy. It ain't about that. It's just to find somebody who's like a kindred spirit in financial education is not an easy thing. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm just so geeked about. Cause it's like, this is somebody who I really listen to and think like, wow, I've learned so much because I, I'm, uh, to me, a, a good teacher is a better learner, a better student. And so mm -hmm. like, you know, through him, I've been able to just learn so much. So it just feels like, oh, my God, my teacher's here. So I'm excited. OK, well, let's get to it. Let's take a quick break. Tiffany needs to get a glass of water, maybe like I reapply her deodorant. And <laughs> <come back. laughs> I feel I can like feel the sweatiness. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, All right. Be right back with Jaspreet Singh from the Minority Mindset. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. 
Insure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So you guys heard my intro. Josh Breed has not heard my intro yet. So he's not properly embarrassed as he will be later. <laughs> I am so excited. I mean, because they don't ever hear me. I mean, I'm excitable easily, but they don't hear me gush about another financial educator. But I'm super geeked because to find someone who is as excited about personal finance as I am, but also is a really good educator. Josh Breed, I used to be a school teacher for 10 years before I started the Budget Nista. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And so just like listening to your 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 YouTube channel, literally every morning, it's like one of the ways I start my day. I've gotten, Oh, that's awesome. Like all my sisters listen, especially my sister Carol, so much so that my three-year-old niece, Amelia, is like, Josh Breed again? <laughs> oh, my God. She's like, every what's morning? Elmo? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm just really excited. You are awesome and amazing. And if you guys have not, subscribed to his YouTube channel. We highly encourage it. It's um, Minority Mindset on YouTube. And um, yeah, let's get this party started. You are awesome. Thank you so well, we much loved, for that. We're so no, excited welcome. to have you on the show. I think Tiff and I have both been kind of fanning out or standing out for you for a while. And then we realized we both watch you. So we had to have you on. Just brief, I want for people who don't know about the Minority Mindset and what that means, can you just quickly explain what you mean by the Minority Mindset and how it applies to your financial philosophy? Yeah, so the Minority Mindset has nothing to do with the way you look, your ethnicity, or your skin color. It's the mindset of thinking differently than the majority of people when it comes to your money. So I say like the majority of people have uh, what I call like a consumer mindset, spend, spend, spend. I try to teach and help people develop more of a minority investor mindset where it's more of, okay, how do I use my money as a tool to kind of help build my wealth instead of making everybody around me rich? Mm. No, we love that. How did you get into teaching financial education? Like how, because I know you are an attorney by yeah. or by trade. And I love the fact that you're always like, you know, I'm an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. I'm like, oh, <laughs> such an attorney thing to say. <laughs> like, don't sue me, sue your grandma. Um, yeah, but yeah, so, so how, how and are, are you still an actively practicing attorney? But yeah, how did you make that transition? So, uh, no, I do not actively practice in that sense. It was kind of, so I grew up in a very traditional Indian household. When I was growing up, I was told that I need to become a doctor. That was kind of like the only thing that I was taught. Like from the day I was born, I was taught to study science and math so that way I could get into medical school. And when I say that my parents were strict about me getting into medical school, I mean, they were very, very, very strict. Like when I was in eighth grade, my parents got me a tutor, not to help me with like my English class that I was struggling with, but to help me get into medical school. They got me an MCAT tutor, which is the thing that people take to get into medical school when they're finishing college. Wow. So my parents were very serious about wow. me going into medicine, but I've always sort of had this like entrepreneurial mindset. When I was in high school, I started working at weddings. I used to play this Indian drum called the Dole, and I would play this at weddings. And I got to know a lot of DJs. And then my junior and senior year in high school, I started actually hosting teen parties for kids in my high school. And this was kind of my first real exposure to entrepreneurship. And I went to college thinking that everybody 
goes to college to study. Like I thought people would spend their Friday nights in the chemistry lab doing reactions and doing things like this. And everybody was partying. Now, I don't, I never drank. I was never really into partying. It was more just a business for me, but I needed something to do on Friday nights. So I took my high school kind of teen party business into college and I started this college party business. And that's when I really started developing this minority mindset because the majority of people were partying and blowing all their money at parties. And all of a sudden now, I was making pretty decent money in college without a degree because I didn't know that was possible. And that's when I started thinking, wow, what happens when you think differently than the majority of people? So I never grew up learning about money. I never grew up learning about entrepreneurship. I never grew up learning about business. I actually had to do all of this kind of like in secret because I don't want my parents to know that I was doing business, right? I needed them to think that I was going to become a doctor. And so now I was starting to make money and I had money in the bank for the first time. And so I started reading books about investing. And that's when I started learning more about real estate investing and stock market investing. And that's when I started learning all this stuff about money that I had never been exposed to before. So it was like this kind of like almost like mind shock because I don't even know this world of like money management and investing and passive income even existed. So are we we're not outing you to your parents right now or do they do they know who you are? Just free. Do they know? <laughs> do they know about the minority mindset? They know now. Yeah, it was. It, How do they feel about it? Now they love it. You know, now it's like mm -hmm. at first it was a big shock. It took my mom years to really get over that idea that her son wasn't going to become a doctor. But now they're like, wow, OK, so I guess this this did work. So it took some time, but you know, it was one of those things where, you know, my parents were never exposed to it either. You know, that like most of us, I don't think we're ever exposed to financial education, money management and investing. So we don't know what that even means or that it, what that entails. Do you find that they come to you for advice now? Are you the family financial guru? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So I'm helping my dad because, you know, all of a sudden it's like, what is retirement? Mm. How do you plan for retirement? What is investing? So I've been helping my dad with all of that. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny yes. how like things have kind of come full circle because in the beginning they're like, you know, don't worry about money. If you just get a good job, then nothing else matters. But now it's like, wait, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to know, understand your money. If you want to be able to live a good life, no matter what you do. No, I, and I, just, I can totally relate. My, my parents were born and raised in Nigeria, and it was like, you could be a, a doctor, a lawyer, a pharmacist, everything else is a drug dealer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so they were delighted when I became a school teacher. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely thrilled. They were just like, what? You're dealing drugs now? So yep, now yep. they love the fact that I'm the budget nista, but it took many, many years and success for them to be okay with it. I get it. I get it. it, it yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's just, it's not something we're used to. It's out of the ordinary, right? But it's so important. And I, I think a lot of people don't get that. Like you can do whatever you want if you understand money. I mean, yeah. it, at that point, if you if you have the income and you have the resources to support it, then, you know, you have no, no nothing holding you back. Right. And you wish so much that you had known it when you were younger. What are some of the, well, I kind of know the answer to this question already. And in fact, it, the part of your story that I love the most uh, is similar to Tiffany's story and how she started, um, which Tiffany, talk about, remind people again, of course, sort of your story and how you, I don't know what you call it, a, a business scam. What happened to you early yeah, on? Yeah, a scam. Um, so uh, a quote unquote air quotes. I know friend of mine, but that's okay because he's in jail now. Hey, jail friend. Um, oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was a scam. I was in my 20s. And that's back when you believe that when people look like they have money, they have money. 
Yeah. And um, so I wanted, I was a preschool teacher. I was really good at saving, really good at budgeting. I saved like half my income every year and I bought a condo when I was 25. I was what I call financially perfect, right? So great credit score, savings. But I honestly, my father was a CFO and an accountant of a small nonprofit. So I grew up with financial education. So I was just doing what he told me to do. I was not... I didn't have any real knowledge. I was just like, well, what do I do next? You know, uh-huh. like the dutiful, you know, uh, immigrant, uh, uh, second, first generation daughter. Right. right and right. then one day I said, I'm going to take it into my own hands. And I reached out to a friend who I thought was wealthy and he subsequently scammed me and it left me $35,000 in credit card debt, in oh which I never had. Yes. Credit card debt before. I didn't even tell my parents until literally years later into my thirties. Wow. Cause I was so like, afraid, you know, and ashamed, honestly. Um, So yeah, that was what triggered. So as I was digging my way out, other friends, it it happened right before and really right during the 2008, 2009 recession. So it was like the worst luck. So I lost my my job. I have the scam. Now I'm going to foreclosure. It was everything that could go wrong went wrong. But as I was fixing myself, I realized that there were other people that were struggling too. So the teacher in me was like, well, Tiffany, you teach. Why not just help your friends? And then they brought their friends yeah. and they brought their friends. So that was like the advent of the budgetista, my business. And um, Mandy said you experienced like a scam that kind of triggered your journey to financial education. Yeah. Well, well first off, that sucks. <laughs> I, 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 you know, stories like that are always, you know, it's great that you had that entrepreneurial mindset where you're, it's just like, you know, what do I do about this instead of complaining about it, doing something about this. So props to you. That's that was amazing. For me, it was actually very similar. I've always been that entrepreneur person too and kind of didn't really have much guidance, never really had someone to talk to about entrepreneurship or money management or investing. And I had this sock business that I started and I was getting ready to launch it. And this marketing company came up to me and they were like, hey, uh, let us handle your marketing and we're going to get you all the sales, all this marketing, and we guarantee you're going to see all the success. And if you don't, we will give you all your money back. So I was skeptical naturally, but you know, this kind of money back guarantee was reassuring. So I was like, all right, yo, what do I got to lose? So I handed these guys a lot of money. It wasn't $35,000, but it was a lot of money to me at the time. And um, the day after I sent them the money, I was in the gym. And I remember this because I was, uh, I really like working out. I'm a big gym person. And so I started to kind of get this weird feeling in my stomach as I was doing the chest fly. And I was like, I don't know, something just doesn't feel right in me. So I called up the guy that I gave the money to like 24 hours later. And I was like, hey man, um, I know that I said that you guys would do the marketing, but you know, let's just cancel it right now before you guys actually spend any money on advertising and marketing. I want to do a refund. I want to do it all myself. So let's just end it before you guys spend any money. That way, you know, no hard feelings. Let's just kind of move on. So he was like, all right, no problem. He puts me on hold. And I was getting really irritated because, you know, I'm, this is like delaying my workout. This is taking a lot longer than expected because I'm on the, I'm on hold for like a long time now. And eventually the phone just goes beep, 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 oh beep. Ah! And so I was like, yeah, something's wrong. So I called up the other two numbers that I had. Nobody picks up. Nobody emails me. No one responds to me. Everyone stops responding to every single message that I have. So I contacted an attorney and I found out I was scammed. So I was like, all right, what do I do now? You know, I launched the business. We had an amazing launch. Uh, we we did like, uh, I forgot, there was like 20 some thousand dollars in the first month of pre-sales of our sock business. But I, I still had that feeling like, you know, that sucks. Like there's a lot of honest entrepreneurs out there trying to do something, trying to understand kind of how to take care of themselves, but don't 
necessarily know everything. So you, you're more susceptible to scams and getting screwed over like this. So I was like, you know, what can I do? So I uh, I went on Udemy and I put out this course on how to launch a business without getting screwed over. And I called it the minority mindset because at that time, you know, I was like, you know, entrepreneurship is all about the minority mindset is thinking different than the majority of people. Mm-hmm. And we had all this traction. We had all these students sign up for it and we're loving it. And they were like, hey, Jaspreet, you should go on social media. And I was like, all right. And I don't know too much about digital marketing or anything at the time. So I created an Instagram page called Minority Mindset where I just started posting quotes and kind of just random tips about money management and starting a business. And then I had a lot of comments and messages from people saying, hey, you should start a blog or you should start a podcast. And I was like, I can't start a blog. Uh, English is my second language. I suck at writing. So no, that's not going to happen. Podcasting, I don't even know what a podcast was. So I was like, yeah, I can't do that. But I do like YouTube and I see a lot of people on YouTube. I like watching YouTube. Uh, Maybe I can make YouTube videos. I know how to talk. So I started making videos under the title Minority Mindset, right? Just talked about things that I wish I knew when I was younger. So I talked about money management, talked about entrepreneurship. And slowly this started to grow. And, you know, a year and a half or so, a couple of years later, we had grown to over 100,000 subscribers. And now all of a sudden we were building a brand and I don't even know that that's what I was doing. I was just, this was something that I was doing as a hobby just because I was so kind of hurt by the scam. And now this is what I do. That's, yeah, at the time, I mean, how were you, what was your source of income then? And then when did you realize, okay, I can really sustain myself with the minority mindset? So when I started minority mindset, uh, when I was in law school, actually. So I was in law school, I was doing the sock business and I was doing a lot of stuff in real estate. So I was a real estate investor. Um, I used to do real estate wholesaling and I was a real estate salesperson. So I was kind of doing a whole bunch of things at once. And um, the kind of fork I ran into was right around the 100,000 subscriber mark with Minority Mindset. We weren't making a lot of money, but it was it was kind of a weird situation because the sock business I had was making decent money. It was making um we were we were a, you know, a solid business, but the problem was it was a special kind of athletic sock that I had created, but our patent was denied. So I had to kind of decide, okay, do I want to go the route of building a sock brand? where, you know, I love starting a business, but I'm not so passionate about socks. I really wanted to license the technology, but that wasn't really going to work because we didn't get approved for this patent. But Minority Mindset, I had a real passion for. Like, I loved teaching. I love money management. I love talking about entrepreneurship and financial education. This is like something I really, really enjoy doing because this is something I wish I knew when I was growing up, but we weren't making that much money. So... I decided to go all in with the minority mindset just because, you know, I was like, this is something that I would love to do for the rest of my life. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, but that's the direction that I went. So, you know, I had, luckily I had real estate investments. I was doing real estate and and the sock business was making money at the time. So then I kind of transferred over to minority mindset, not knowing what was going to happen, but I was also in law school. So I had very little expenses uh, when I was starting off and then it grew from there. And now we we are we kind of transformed it to a financial media company where we do financial news and financial education, and yeah, so that's how it kind of grew. I would so I can't get the socks. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, we stopped selling Damn the it. socks. Well, the, I'm curious as a business owner. I'm curious, like, what are your as the for the for the minority mindset? Like, what are your streams of income? Like, where and then 
of the of your streams of income, what's bringing in the most? Yeah, we get real personal here. We share we numbers and stuff. I'm like, I want to know. We didn't warn you up front, but <laughs> absolutely. So, so most of our income, I would say, eighty percent of our income comes from other brands and sponsors and advertisers. So. And what I mean by that is, so we have kind of a few different channels. We could say kind of two faces to our company. We have a financial news division and a financial education division. The news division is our daily financial newsletter, where we just kind of cover over what's going on in the financial news. The education side is a mix of our, our website and then social media and YouTube. So 80% of our revenue comes from our brand partners and sponsors. So these are companies that we work with. So we do a lot of education of how to use your money and also financial products. So we talk about things like mortgage refinancing, or we talk about stock brokerages, or we talk about life insurance, or we talk about credit cards. So we have partnerships with companies in, in all of these kind of services. And that's how we drive revenue from there. And then on the education side, we do have a couple courses that we sell as well, but though that's kind of like something that's in the back burner. Not really the back burner, but that's that, that's like a smaller part of our business. That's about 20% of our revenue. Okay. I feel like you and Tiffany need to talk. Yeah, because it's because literally the, the Liberature Academy is a major, and I feel like we need a minority mindset. Yeah, it's, the, it's the opposite right. for me. Like our, our education, I have an online school that makes 80% of the income and then my partnerships and affiliate marketing and things like that. That's about 20%. But I made that kind of intentional because the budget Nista, which is my original brand is um, I didn't want to, I didn't want, I'm like, it's, it relies so heavily on me being me, which is cool. But I didn't, I was thinking like 10, 20 years from now when I want to be like, you know, not the face of the business, then what? So I started an online school that, you know, that I, I use my Budgetista brand to drive to my Literature Academy. And so that makes a good amount of my, we just actually hit, we're, we're, we just hit this year, our first seven figure month. Awesome. So, yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, I used to be a preschool teacher. Now, of course, my parents are like, <laughs> you're doing so good. We're so proud of you. I'm like, oh, really? Because five years ago, <laughs> you were like, where is your job, Odochi? That's my African name. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, we need to talk um, after the call. Yes, we do. Because I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I think that what you guys are doing is amazing. Because what I don't understand is how many people do you have working for you? Because I just, I'm honestly signed up for everything. I just like, I read all the newsletters. I I was like, I can't believe he has this whole curriculum. I signed up for the investment class, which I have not taken wow. yet. Um, I've done all, like, just for you, I'm a stan. I'm, I'm holding it in. You have no idea. I'm like, that's this, awesome. is, this is me at do a Do you have the socks? No, that's the only thing I'm missing. <laughs> I'll send you a pair. I might have a couple left over in my bedroom. <laughs> I'll send you one of the special edition ones. So um, so I guess the question is, like, I know how, how much work it takes and, like, what size is your team? Because the the quality and the consistency of your content is unmatched. So, yeah, Thank I would you. love to know more, you. more about, like, your team and how does that work? Yeah, so we're actually hiring um, a lot right now. So we are we are about to be – we have we have a mix of kind of our remote people – we have some freelancers, and then we have our in-office team. So total, I would say we're something close to 30 people. Okay. Something around there. So, you know, it's some more people are mixed. So some more people are full-time in the office. Some more people are full-time remote. So it, it's kind of a blend in that. I would say by the end of the year, we'll have about 10 people 
in the office permanently that are you know always there. And then we have another twenty to twenty five people, maybe thirty that are remote fully. Okay. It's interesting that you say that you know you're not a good writer because my favorite. I, apart from your YouTube, I love your newsletter in the mornings. Man. Um, so how much of that is you? Uh, so I would help with kind of coming up with the content ideas. The writing is our awesome writers. I, I am not involved with the writing uh, much at all. It's good to know your strengths. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to read my writing. You're the, my writing, you're the you won't even guy. know what is going on. Like, <laughs> is this guy talking about the stock market or the real estate market? I have no idea what he's talking about. Well, you do such a great job. I mean, talk, you know, just, just it, it's a real talent to be able to explain concepts yes. without writing, like without taking time to think them through. I'm, I'm not that I'm saying your stuff isn't thought through, but you know what I mean? Like to be able to vocalize these topics and make them truly, um, you know, uh, accessible to people. Because like you said, a lot of people don't understand this. So you have to approach it, you know, from from the from the ground floor. Yeah. But let's we talked a little bit about passive income. You know, you have your real estate business. A lot of people right now. This is this is tied together, I promise. I want to first talk about your favorite passive income strategies and then kind of talk about how people are kind of using the stock market to create some passive income, which may or may not be the best, you know, idea for the majority of people. If we can go back to that, you know, my minority majority mm -hmm. um, contradiction. But yeah, talk about passive income streams, what what you sort of have, what has worked for you and what you, you know, think could work for others. And then, you know, how, how you would talk to folks thinking about getting into the market these days. So, you know, I think the first thing is kind of defining what passive income is, because I think a lot of people have a misconception as to passive income. Like, for example, there's, there's a lot of ads out there like, oh, uh, start this online store. It's completely passive, even though you have to manage it for five hours every single day. So, I don't consider that passive income. When I think of passive income, I think of my real estate investments where I own a house or an apartment complex. I do the renovation. I get it fully rent ready. And then I hand over the keys to my property management company. And after that, I let them take care of the entire property, all tenant management, all tenant relations, everything A to Z. And then I just kind of every month, I look at our statements. So I look at you know, how much rent did we receive? What was the maintenance requests and everything kind of in between? That's what I call passive income. So for me, my favorite is real estate. I love real estate investing. That is kind of like my number one favorite place to invest. But, you know, real estate investing is not for everybody. You need to understand how real estate investing works. It, it, it takes a learning curve. And not everybody wants to go through that. You know, you, you have to kind of go through your bad tenants. You have to go through the bad properties. You know, I went through that myself and it's, it sucks. It's painful. It's not fun to lose money. And with real estate, there's, there's more capital involved. It's a lot harder to start real estate investing, especially owning physical real estate with a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. You know, you need more capital and more time involved to get to that passive income point. So you need to spend that time in the beginning to get the real passive income. Now, if we're talking about a more passive, passive income where you don't really have to do much work at all, then the stock market does have a lot of opportunities there through dividends and dividend paying stocks, but you have to be kind of aware of what type of returns you can expect. Because I think sometimes people think, oh, okay, if I invest $1,000, I should be making $1,000 a year in my passive income. But it doesn't really work like that, right? Like if you invest in the stock market, you should be expecting three to 5% a year on your capital investments. So that's 
you know, if you invest a hundred dollars at three to five dollars a year for your investment uh, through your dividends, and there's a lot of easy ways to do that. You can completely automate this. So you just take whatever funds you have, and every month or every week, it automatically gets invested into whatever stocks or ETFs or funds you want, and then. When you get the dividends, it is your choice now whether you want to reinvest them back into the stocks or ETFs. That way you're kind of compounding your investments. Or do you want to pull it out and keep this money for yourself and you know use it to improve your lifestyle? The thing about passive income, especially in the stock market like this, is it is a long-term game. If you're getting 3 to 5% a year, you need to compound that money. You need to keep adding that money into your stocks and ETFs because what happens is in a good market – stock prices will go up. So, you know, your your stock value, your investment value is going up. But at the same time, companies, if they're growing, they're going to increase the amount of dividend that they're paying. So right now, you might only be getting a 3% dividend on your money, but in five or 10 years, they might double the amount of dividend that they're paying out. So what went from a 3% dividend is now a 6% dividend. So it really starts to grow and compound. And if you keep reinvesting that money, the amount of money you'd be making through this passive income and dividends keeps growing slowly, slowly, slowly. So it's like kind of like the snowball that a lot of people talk about. You're, you got to build that snowball. And at the beginning, it's really slow. It's really hard. But as you keep going and you, as you stick with it, it will get bigger. Can you explain for folks who may have just blinked out when you said the word dividend? Because they may not even know what a dividend is. I mean, it's just, it's a piece of the profits that a company will give you for investing in their stock, right? How would you break it down? Yeah, so I, the, <laughs> the way I like to explain dividends is think of it like a thank you check from companies. So some companies, let's talk about McDonald's. Some companies like McDonald's make a lot of money. And at the end of the year, they have a whole bunch of cash in their bank account. And there's, a, there's three things that a company can do with this extra cash. They can save it for emergencies. They can reinvest this money back into their company. Or they can give this away, literally give it away to their owners and shareholders, investors, people like you and me, for owning their stock. So if you go out and you buy a share of McDonald's, McDonald's will literally send you a check. They'll send you a few dollars every single year just because you own the McDonald's stock. You don't have to go and flip burgers or do anything. You're getting this cash just for owning that investment. I love that explanation. I just saw that in one of your videos that you explained that. It was like, he's doing the video. I feel like I'm watching your YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. It's the same what content. What do you say for... Yeah, I mean, this past week has been, I don't know, this past summer, I mean, I just feel like everyone at home through this COVID crisis, this bizarre time that we're at in our country right now, and it's good for people like us who are in the business of teaching financial education because folks are really hungry for it right now. But I'm worried because like my friends and family who really haven't been into financial anything until, you know, COVID kind of hit and they have all this free time, people are coming to me like, should I invest in herds? What do you think about the Tesla stock split? I mean, last week, my husband put some... Okay. Like I said, I like to, I have some money that I play around with that I'm not afraid to lose. You know, I just have a little bit set aside so I can, I can just prove to myself, honestly, what a terrible stock picker I am, which is what it's been like for the past five to 10 years I've been doing it. Um, but anyway, so my husband's got a little bit of money and I, and you know, that he could invest and he chose to invest in some Tesla stock last week after the stock split. And of course he bought when it was really high. And by the end of the week, it had tanked. And he's like, what's going on? I need to sell my Tesla stock. And I feel like he's not alone. Um, 
So like, what's your take on where people's mindset is at with, you know, stock market investing these days? And what would you say to people who are trying to get into the market now um, as like a word of caution? So I just recorded a video on this. Uh, it's going to go up very soon. But stock or market predicting is for losers. Nobody can predict what's going to happen in the stock market tomorrow or three months or, you know, in the short term. It, it is impossible because there are so many things that can happen that influence the stock market, especially in the short term. You know, we could see something happen to the president. We could see something happen with this coronavirus. We can see the Fed change their monetary policy. There are so many factors that influence the stock market in the short term that creates this like emotionalness in the stock market. And that's what creates creates like this panic selling and euphoria buying. And as a smart financial planner and a smart money manager and investor, that is exactly what you want to avoid. Mm -hmm. You want to be investing for the long term. So I'm a big proponent of long term investing, looking at companies who are growing, who are innovating and have a good value and buying into these companies for the long term. If that is what you're doing the stock price doesn't even matter that much. You just want to continually buy it, whether it's every week or every month or you know whatever your schedule is. You just want to keep buying these stocks or funds that you want to own for the long term. So basically, for the majority, dollar cost sorry. averaging. No, I was just going to say, so that's I know that's your big philosophy, dollar cost averaging. Yeah, and if, if it comes down, if it crashes, buy more. Yeah, that is like, it's like one of those things. That if it's a company you really believe in, buy it. And if it crashes, use it as an opportunity to buy more. And I think for the majority of people, stock picking is not even the game that you want to be playing. For the majority of people, if you don't plan to spend a lot of time studying companies, listening to earning statements, if that is not what you're interested in, look into index funds, look into ETFs. An index fund or ETF, is, you could think of it kind of like a group of stocks, a fund that invests in a bunch of companies. So if you just want to be involved in the stock market, there are funds that literally give you exposure to the top 500 companies in the stock market. So now instead of you trying to go out and find the number one company, you can just invest in this fund that gives you exposure to the general stock market. So now if the stock market goes up, your fund goes up. If the stock market goes down, your fund goes down. But what we've seen again and again and again is that over the long run, the stock market and strong companies go up. And if you're not interested in doing all that research and trying to find the best companies, just invest in one of these funds because now it's doing it for you. So, so what you're saying is I'm right and husband's wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just wanted to confirm that. Okay. Because I went playing that, that, that I, section. So my question is, so where do you go for, yeah. for financial education? You know, you, the financial educator. It's like, what does a doctor go when they're sick? So where do you go to learn when you're, when you're learning, when new things come out or something you don't understand? Like, what are, what are your go-to platforms? There's a lot of great resources on the internet. Um, like one of my go-to sites, if you're talking about the stock market particularly, like Seeking Alpha is great, uh, Finance.Yahoo. Just to like, I love reading books um, and I love kind of just learning about companies. Like right now I'm reading a, one of Warren Buffett's biographies. It is very interesting just to kind of, not necessarily just stock books, but learning kind of the way some of these great investors think mm -hmm. and just learning from them and then really just studying a company. You know, there's, Every three months, a company has to release a statement where they go over how much money they're making, what they plan on doing, what their valuations, you know, wh what are they doing with their money? Where's all the cash going? And a lot of times, 
most of the times we skip over that because we read the headlines. Oh, uh, Tesla made a lot of money or Tesla lost money, right? That's all we see. But if you go into the actual earnings statements and you read the transcript and you read the, the, the forms that these companies file, which you can do, they're more boring, but you can actually see what is going on with the company and what is their real revenue? What is their real income? What is their real loss? And then you can come up with your own calculations to see, okay, this company is making $100 million, actually, based off of what I see, and they're being valued at $10 billion. Is this a good investment? Yes or no? And so it's kind of coming up with what, it, what do you think is a good value and what is it that you want to invest in? Over time, as you've developed your financial philosophy and, you know, the minority mindset, as you say, I mean, you acknowledge that you didn't have a ton of education and Tiffany's maybe in the minority because she had such a great financial coach and her dad. But even so, the Great Recession for Tiff and I both kind of had a, um, we were both like in our own ways, a little afraid of going through what we went through, our, our personal financial losses after the recession. And so I think safe to say, Tiff, that we both held on to some cash. Yes, um, maybe, too much maybe cash. Beyond, like, yeah, maybe beyond like the six month mark. Um, and I wanted to talk to you, like, what's your, have you had to overcome any mindsets that were maybe hurting you financially? Were you maybe a little conservative in the beginning or have you always kind of, you know, just learned and, and, and approached investing differently? Because for a lot of people, especially now, the majority will look at the stock market, what happened back in the spring, you know, March and April and be like, oh shit, like get me out of here. This is crazy. Yeah. So to talk about that, if you don't mind. I think, yeah, the saving thing, I, I um, six months, I, I tell a lot of people is the goal. And I try to tell people to cap it. Like it, Indians tend to be super savers too. A lot of my friends are kind of fall under that boat. I know a lot of people that make a lot of money and they save every penny that they can. So they're, they're saving like 70, 80% of their income and they have three, four, five years worth of expenses saved in their bank account just sitting there. And this is way past the FDIC limit. So, you know, uh, I must be for Indian. some of these people. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. And, I'm better now. I have a financial planner that's, she actually is Indian. Shout out to Anjali. But um, yeah, I'm better now, but that was so me. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's better than blowing all that money, right? But what I try to tell people is, you know, you can do a lot better and take low risks. If you, you know, you once you learn about how investing works, you can kind of get a better feel of it. So I used to have a lot of money in the market and I made a video on this earlier this year, like back in, it was actually in February, where I talked about how I was selling a lot of stuff just because sometimes, you know, things do feel like a little, little overheated. Now, this was completely lucky. Like, you know, I talked about this. This was like 100% luck. I did not predict a crash. I did not predict a pandemic. This was like completely luck. Where in February, I was like, you know, I've made a, a lot of money over the last few years in the stock market. So I'm selling right now because a lot of things are really high. Valuations are really high. And it, it's just a good time to take some money off the table. And that's okay. You know, what I tell people when it comes to saving and investing, your investment money doesn't always have to be invested. Like cash is an investment position as well. It's just knowing that this is money that you want to invest, that you're you know looking for an opportunity. I like real estate. I haven't bought real estate in a while because I'm waiting for an opportunity. So I have cash that I'm waiting to invest. And, you know, it goes beyond my saving goals, but it's it's my investment money that I'm waiting to invest. So uh, that's kind of like what I've developed over the years. And I think I used to be a lot riskier when I was younger, when I was first getting started, because at that point I was like, wow, what do I have to lose? So I'm just going all in everywhere I can. Because for me, it was just like, you know, I, I, this is my time to learn. This is my time to go all in with everything. Now, you know, I'm still willing to take risk, but I, I, I'm definitely a little bit more 
conservative and I do a lot more research now than I used to before I was more of a doer before thinking at all. Now I'm still a doer, but I do spend a little bit more time thinking before I kind of make those moves. So you cleaned out your investments in February. Lucky. And then what? Did you get back in once things started to go? Like, oh, what, yeah. what did you, yeah, what, what did you do? Because I, I think there were folks who were, it's that financial double dutch again, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with double dutch. It's kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Black girls do when they're young. I, don't I know. know. Double dutch. I don't know if you've ever watched, like, when girls <laughs> jump into the rope, they do this, like, bobbing back and forth, trying to figure out the perfect time yeah. to jump in. So you're literally yeah. rocking back and forth. So it's like, yeah, so it's a good analogy to getting into the market. So, yeah, I, I did. Um, I talked about this on YouTube that... Um, I do this kind of like drip investing where I buy in phases. Now, I'm not the greatest stock market investor out there. One of our partners, AK, who does a lot of our stock market teaching, he is like, he taught me a lot about the stock market. I learned a lot from him, but I do what I call drip investing. So when the stock market falls, that's when I come in and buy. And I and I buy in phases. So every time it falls 10 to 15%, I buy. If it falls more, I buy more. And so I kind of just buy those phases. So when it was falling... I was just buying the whole way down. And then I did sell a little bit a few months later because the stock market recovered so fast that it was like, this is kind of crazy how fast the stock market is recovering. So, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing with in terms of the stock market. I still haven't really bought much real estate um, or at all. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on in the real estate market. Where are you buying real estate? I don't even know where you're based. I'm in Michigan. Michigan. Okay. So that's, and, and do you have, are you investing in real estate close by? So you kind of know the area? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it is, is, is in the state. So just trying to wait on opportunities. I mean, I, I'm a big value add investor. I love finding distressed real estate, whether it's financially distressed or physically distressed, but just waiting on a, a deal. That's so a fixer upper basically. Yeah. I love fixer uppers. I'm working on a fi- my first fixer upper right now. So I'm excited to see like what. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, you know what? I, I feel like my first kind of jaunt into investing was really investing by growing a business. Cause I was scared of investing traditionally since I had that scam. And then I got my financial planner and she really helped to like pry open my cold dead hands around my money. Um, so, uh, because I had enough I had so much saved that the house I'm living in now, I paid for it in cash and renovated it in cash and paid off my parents' house in cash and That's paid off amazing. my student loans in cash and bought the That's work. awesome. But not really, because she was like, Tiffany, you have enough to like last you a lifetime. You need to invest some of this money. Um, so, yeah. you know, I did that. But then so the real estate property that I bought, it's it's a, a tax deed from the city where I live in New Jersey. And so it was $10,000, which is awesome. And um, it needed about $150,000 worth of work. But the ho- the homes around there go for about two twenty five, dollars And they're building a new train station that goes directly to New York City, like around the Perfect. corner. Yeah, so That's I'm like, awesome. Yeah, I cannot wait to see. But, um, to see, we're looking now, I'm, I'm stacking money to, to look. Same as you to see if there's like another opportunity to purchase something Um, because my Anjali, my financial planner said, you've already, you know, you've hit your goal for the year as far as setting aside for retirement and just investing for wealth with her. Um, And so now she just suggested that we start to, for the rest of the year, put the rest away to purchase real estate when we felt the time was right. So that's what my husband and I are doing now. But yeah, do you have, I mean, I never would have thought I would have had a financial planner. Um, so I guess that's my question. Do you have someone? I mean, I know you have AK. I love him too because I watch um, his channel. He's a little wilder than you, but he's still funny. Yeah. yeah. 
he's really smart. <laughs> yes. he, he's he's like edgy, but he's really smart. So is that your go-to or do you have like a formal, because I know Mandy has someone, her name is Helen, that she, that kind of guides her through the things that she doesn't know. Do you have like a go-to aside from him that guides you through the things that you don't know financially? Uh, in different areas, yes. So not like one kind of go-to financial planner in that sense, but you know, people in, I have like AK is who I go to in the stock market. I have a few friends who are, I mean, absolutely killing it in real estate. Uh, I have a couple people, not many, in the entrepreneur business space that I talk to, but mainly in in the real estate and uh, stock market space, do I have people that I kind of bounce ideas off of and talk to about what's going on, and a couple of brokers in the area that are really really active in the real estate market. What do you have? So you mentioned investing on the side so that you can use that money to purchase potentially income properties. What's your investing strategy when it comes to saving for real estate? Because if you're looking for opportunities, you know, you don't know when this will pop up. So you need to be liquid enough. Um, So I'm curious. So kind of like what I was saying before, right? I have my savings cash, which is just savings. And then I have my investment money, which not all that money is always invested. Cash is a position. And so I have cash that I have waiting to invest. So gotcha. that's that's kind of my real estate that I'm waiting to buy real estate that's just kind of sitting there. Yeah, it's not growing right now. It's it's losing value to inflation, but this is money that I'm kind of, you know, I have ready because when if real estate prices come down, I want to be there and I want to be the one to, that's ready to buy without any questions. Yeah, we can't all be Sister Carol. <laughs> What did she buy? She bought like fifteen hundred dollars worth of uh, what and paid for. So yeah, my so my wedding. sister she she actually is like she loves investing in the market and she can pick them. So she's an engineer uh, by trade. So my parents were happy with her. Um, but she <laughs> she told me about Tesla years ago, and she bought it when it was thirty dollars a share. Wow! And she was like, "You should you should." There's this is company called Tesla, and I was like, "Yeah, nah." nah. <laughs> and then like, then the next year at Thanksgiving, she was like, it's gone up. It's like $100 a share or whatever it was. And I was still like, mm, no, not interested. So at yeah. the time she bought like $1,500 worth. Um, and yeah, so she ended up like selling it though. I forget whatever it was, but she ended up selling it to pay for her wedding. And she put in $1,500 and got out $30,000. So Wow, but, that's an amazing return. Yes. And so, but now I listen to her because she told me about Shopify, for example, when it was like, I think it was IPing. And she was like, I think it's a good stock. I've been doing my research. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I bought Shopify at, how much did I buy it for? I think $140 a share. It's over $1,000 right now. But wow. my stingy self bought three shares. So I'm like, ah, damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have bought more. But yeah, so she's kind of like my my AK because she will do the research and she she loves like um, stocks. But I just, you know, I just don't have the capacity or really the interest in doing all the research. So I'm mostly like an index mutual fund person unless, yeah. you know, she's like, there's a stock. I've been doing this research for the last three years. I really like them. And then we, for once, all listen. But I have like a random question for you. Do you get like spotted in the streets? Like, I had you just read. A few times here and there. Not so much now during COVID, but uh, every once in a while it would. It, it, would, it was funny. Um, I... I never thought of myself kind of as a celebrity. I still don't, which is like, but it's so, it's so weird when like, I'll be like going somewhere with my family or my friends and somebody will kind of just come up to you and be like, Hey, are you just breathe? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny. It's amazing. Cause I love connecting with people, yeah. you know, our own fans and audience. It's just like, I just never ever thought of myself. I still don't think of myself as kind of like, a celebrity in any way, you know? So it's just like, I'm just like, look, man, I'm just like you, man. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. 
just with like a hundred million uh, more people I know, watching they're, you. Daily. They're going to be watching you even more now. I'm yeah. telling you, like we have been singing your praises. Um, I appreciate that. You are awesome. No, when Mandy said that we have Jess Breed on, I was like, are you, are you toying with me? <laughs> oh my said, God. And then when I told my sister. Yeah, I mean, humble brag. I just emailed him and he like emailed me. I couldn't back, believe whatever. it. When I told Carol, my, my, <laughs> my, my stock trading sister, she was like, no way, no way, no way. I was like, I you know. You two are awesome. I know. I'm telling you. Now, even like I said, my three-year-old niece, Amelia, was like, just breathe. I'm like, yes, Amelia. Uh, so. You guys are so sweet. No, but honestly, you just, like I said, it's, to me, there needs to be more representation in financial education. And so it was just good to see someone who looked different. I think it's important for people to see themselves in the people that they're learning from. Um, yeah. And so I just, honestly, I don't know how for so long, because Mandy and I are a part of like this like kind of like brown coalition of financial like educators. And I'm like, how do we not know about Jasper until recently? Because um, we, <laughs> I make it my business. To, Where you been hiding on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, for real. I make yeah, it my I, business I to am, know. We're just hiding over there. Yes. Because I think, like I said, I think I think representation is important because what it sh- I think traditionally in financial education, black and brown communities are left out of the financial conversation. And yeah. it's mostly pushed like savings and budgeting, which is good, you know, but sometimes this next level financial education, we don't really get access to. So I think it's important that, you know, that people who look different people who sound different, people who have different names. Like, I don't even use my African name because no one can say it properly. So I'm like, just call me Tiffany. Um, what is it? <laughs> it's Adochi, which is not that hard. Adochi. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. it. That's awesome. And so, um, but yeah, I think that it's so, representation in this space is so important because it means that everyone gets to learn, everyone gets to have a say, and and everyone gets to like to reach and be empowered. So, no, we just really thank you. No, thank you guys for having. Thank you two for having me. That it was. This was an amazing call, and I love what you two are doing. This is a much needed financial education is so needed, especially now more than ever. I mean, our whole kind of society, our whole educational system is good, but at the end of the day, if you do not know how to manage and master your money, it doesn't matter what you do. If you know, if you can have the best job in the world, but if you're struggling to pay your bills. You are, st- it's just not, you know, you're not fully there. Yeah. Well, Just Breed, thank you so much for coming on BA Minority Mindset, the minoritymindset.com. Folks, find him on YouTube, subscribe right now. And all, you also have a great Insta. Yes. Is that the Minority Mindset too? It is. On Insta? It's Minority Mindset. Yeah. And real quick for our final question, if I can just call it the final question. I don't know. Tiffany might want to talk to sure. you for like no, 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 another that's few hours. I will, I've, I've done enough. I've done enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, we talk about uh, success and and investing and all these things. But you know, what's your long? What is your happy? Like, what's your picture of yourself in the future, twenty, thirty years on the line? What does just breed in retirement look like? And what are you working toward? Uh, well, continuing working in this financial space, I love I love the financial space, but also I, I'm really interested in the venture capital space. I love working with entrepreneurs. Mm. So maybe something kind of a blend between the two, working with entrepreneurs, helping fund entrepreneurs, fuel their dreams and kind of working with them too. So something in that space. I love that. Okay, so one day we'll get those socks, but maybe someone else yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with your VC funding. <laughs> All right, Jaspreet, thank you so, so much. Y'all go follow Jaspreet, The Minority Mindset. Thank you so much.
Mandra, I, I need a cold drink. How? <laughs> you got the speed stick somewhere nearby? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, Love this him. is. Yes, I do. He's just like, like I said, to find somebody who it's like, I feel like Josh Free is like the budget Nisto. <laughs> Yeah, the budget needs to all that's funny. (laughs) Yes, I mean, and it's, you know, the the fact that he focuses on the mindset is great because I feel like we talk about that a lot, just how, you know, what's holding us back is really the knowledge, access to the knowledge, and then Mm -hmm. understanding how to, you know, move forward with that knowledge in mind and not let your emotions kind of get in the way. Um, But yeah, I love him. You guys got to check out Jaspreet, the minority mindset. And I feel like Look out for Tiffany and Just Breed's co-authored uh, book coming <laughs> forthcoming. I don't know. I feel like no one. I definitely got a part of him to do something, even if it's just a live or something. Because I just feel like that dream catchers need to get to know Just Breed. I feel like I dare I say they will. But all right, <laughs> to round out the show, do you want to do a quick brown booze brown break? Well. I'm not gonna lie. I am not prepared. Well, you know what? No, I do want to do a brown. Um, unfortunately, a brown break. I hate to bring bring down the the good times, but bring us down. I, I'll bring us up. Don't worry. No good. Because I was um, on the IG and someone had posted. I'm like, is this real life? Where our current administration has um, he's banned federal agencies from conducting racial sensitivity training related to white privilege and criminal race theory, um, that he feels that it's divisive and anti-American propaganda. Can you imagine? (laughs) And I just, Uh, I was like, we are living in like really scary times. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God. And so I'm just telling people like, honestly, please do not take your vote for granted. We need you to vote. We need you to submit vote. your, you know, your, your, your ballot via mail or go and line up to vote. I mean, I just, we can't live like this. And don't just vote. Consider becoming a poll worker. It's extremely easy. And the, I just signed up. I, I sent them like an email every day. Like, please, I want to be a poll worker in New York. You submit an email to, you know, your local board of elections or whatnot. And it's all you do is like one short training, I feel like, maybe an in-person or a virtual training. And you actually get paid for it. I don't know how much it is everywhere, but in New York, it's $350 for the day. I was a little bit gutted, though, because I actually can't do it. And here's why. They require you to stand up and work from 5 a.m. until after the polls close, which here in New York is 9 p.m. Excuse Mm. me, but like, where's do do I bring the baby and just feed him like at the polls? What's happening? That's a lot. It's impossible for me. So and I understand. But I really was desperate to to work as a poll worker because there's a shortage because with COVID, you know, because of the hours. And now I understand this. A lot of the people who are poll workers are older and they are not coming out in droves like they usually do because they're afraid of catching COVID. Who can blame them? But that just means we need people to work as poll workers. So if you're available and and if you can work those hours, Maybe it's not that way everywhere, but I was genuinely shocked. I was, and I even emailed her back, say, 5 a.m. to 9 when? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. No, they don't let, they wouldn't let me do like a short shift or whatever. So I'm, I'm super bummed that I can't be a poll worker. But if you can, show up. And here's why it matters. This summer when we were, it was a primaries here in our, in our area, the line for the polls was insane. My husband was mm-hmm. out there for four or five hours standing. And that's because 
due to the shortage of poll workers, they have decreased the number of polling locations. So we went from like 60 places to vote to five. And that means people are like, if people have to wait in that long line, if they have babies at home, like I did, I had to go yeah. home to my child. I didn't vote in the primary. I, I don't want that to happen. So if you can show up, volunteer, work as a poll worker, whatever you can and help make sure people are able to cast their vote. And if you, if you can't do that, at least tell people that they can vote early um, and help them, you know, figure all that out. Just Google your state, vote early, and figure out how to request a ballot. Exactly. Because exactly. Exactly. Right? I haven't done that in a while. Shout out to Emmanuel, my husband, my sister's husband. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that, oh, child, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of stress bubbling, but mm. I am hopeful that we will pull through and we will be okay. You just got to make it till the 3rd of November, y'all. Exactly. I mean, we had Just Freed on, so, I mean, I think we can make it happen. Regardless of what happens, you know, folks like Just Free give me hope for the future. Yes, um, yes. You know, if but 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 still, can we vote though? Can we get this fool out of office? That would be nice. Exactly. All right. Well, I I'll do my brown boost. Well, one big brown boost to anyone who's working the polls this year, but also brown boost, brown boost to Tia and to Mary Ma- to Mara Mowry. Can we just talk about Sister Sister for one second, which is on Netflix? Please enjoy it. I that show is still so good. Like twenty <laughs> something years later, I can't believe how hilarious. Come on, go home, Roger. Sister Sister. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, I just and uh, it's so so good. The writing is so on point. Jackie, Jackie, uh, yes, she, what's her last name? Harry, Harry, yep, mm-hmm. Harry, uh, and then Tim Reed, and then yes. Marquise Houston or Marquez. I don't know how you say his name, but whatever. Marcus. Amazing. Meanwhile, Marcus, super simple. Marcus, it's not Marquise. Yes. <laughs> That's how he spells. It, I know. That's it's very brown, brown ambition. Whatever. Hilarious. They're so yes. funny. And this is the show. I'm just like, man, I miss black TV. I'm glad that. Yes. Shows like this, I feels like it feels like Netflix is going out of its way to put more black, um, you know, black led shows on their on their platform, which is, you know, why did it nice. take till now? But whatever, they're doing it now. So I just um, if you have and if you want to go back to your to your youth, go watch Sister Sister. I promise you will not regret it. It's still yes. hilarious. And it's, at least you'll know the sister, sister, I never knew how much I missed you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to wait till they're co- till they go to like college um, because that's when they did the new theme song and it was like sexy and grown up and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I did my own time, on my own time. All right. I got to go. I really have to go. Okay. All right. Um, so what ass. episode number is this? This is, well, okay. This is 233, y'all. 233. Okay which is insane. We've done over 200 shows. That's crazy. All right, y'all. We'll catch us next week. Enjoy your interview with Jess Breet. Let us know how you feel about it. Leave us a comment um, on iTunes. Leave us a review. Hit us up on Instagram. We're at the Brown Ambition Podcast on Instagram, or you can email us at, wait, what? What's our email? At the BA Podcast at <laughs> gmail.com. Yes. And you can tag me like directly at the budget. And you're like, girl, you was fanning out. I'm okay with it. Superman knows. I'm okay with it. <laughs> he was fine with it. Who doesn't want to be fawned over by the budget Nista? <laughs> hey! 
The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 